Howdy y'all, this is Alex Strom. I'm filling in for Angela Goff today. Today we're going to be covering the War of Northern Aggression. We're going to be covering the battlefield tactics of both sides of the war from Fort Sumter to Gettysburg. Let's get started. On December 20th, 1860, South Carolina seceded from the Union. Six days later, on December 26th, Major Robert Anderson moved his garrison of artillery from Fort Moultrie on Sullivan's Island to Fort Sumter in the Charleston Harbor. The Confederates, however, wanted the Federal troops to leave on Fort Sumter. Lincoln, on the other hand, refused to let that happen. Instead, on April 5th, 1861, Lincoln sent a relief fleet to resupply the fort as the fort was running low on supplies. He knew this action would be considered an act of war. On April 11, 1861, General Beauregard demand the, demanded the surrender of Fort Sumter on very generous terms. Major Anderson refused to do so. So the next day at 3.20 a.m., Beauregard sent Anderson a message stating that the bombardment of the fort would begin in an hour. At 4.30 a.m., Confederate artillery begins the bombardment of Fort Sumter. As you can see by the map, Fort Sumter was basically surrounded, as pretty much every island surrounding Charleston Harbor had Confederate artillery. After 34 hours of bombardment, Major Anderson surrendered the fort on the terms offered by General Beauregard on the 11th. The first shots of the Civil War were now had now been fired. Following the defeat of Fort Sumter, both sides scrambled to organize their militaries to fight off the war, though both sides originally thought that the war would only last a few months. They did not think this would be a prolonged conflict. However, Gen General Winfield Scott, who led the U.S. to victory in the Mexican War, developed a plan for the North to put down this so-called rebellion. His plan was referred to as the Anaconda Plan, which involved a Union naval blockade along the entire Confederate coast, as well as securing the Mississippi River to effectively split the Confederacy into two. This was the basis for the Union strategy for winning the war. It ultimately was fairly successful. Confederates planned on defending the capital of Richmond, which became the Confederate capital after Virginia seceded from the Union and then joined the Confederate States of America. The first major land battle was fought at Manassas Junction uh, July 21st, 1861. Well, Manassas Junction being about halfway between Washington, D.C. and Richmond, Virginia. It was also near a creek called Bull Run. The Union referred to it as Bull Run as if that was a natural uh, landmark, whereas the Confederates called it Manassas, with Manassas being a nearby man-made landmark. That was the tendency for both sides when it came to naming battles in the war. Anyway, the Union Army of 35,000 troops, which, who were mostly militia, commanded by Brigadier General Irvin McDowell, executed a series of uncoordinated attacks against the Confederate Army of 34,000 troops, commanded by General Beauregard, 
who was re later reinforced by Brigadier General Joseph E. Johnston. In this Confederate victory, the Confederates completely routed the Union Army, sending the Union troops running all the way back to Washington, D.C. However, the Confederates failed to capitalize on this opportunity to attack Washington and end the conflict quickly. Thus, both sides realized that this conflict would last much longer than they anticipated. On the other hand, General Thomas Jonathan Jackson of the Confederate Army earned his uh, nickname Stonewall during this battle, as uh, Confederate General Bernard Elliott B. Uh, said, there stands Jackson like a stone wall to rally his men to get back into the fray. After the first battle of Manassas made it clear to both sides of the war that the conflict would be prolonged, well, both sides spent the rest of 1861 raising up armies to fight for a prolonged conflict. In early 1862, Abraham Lincoln put General McClellan in charge of the Army of the Potomac. General McClellan you know, developed a plan to attack Richmond from the peninsula you know, through Williamsburg and Jamestown, at, you know, near the mouth of the uh, James River. He, so he moved his men down to the peninsula with a, about 100,000 men. However, he was overcautious, which we will cover in more detail later, as you know, he thought the Confederates also had 100,000 men in Richmond, even though the Confederates only had about 60,000 men. McDowell moved about 40,000 men you know, towards uh, Fredericksburg, Virginia, as a means of protecting Washington from attack. Meanwhile, General Banks was in the Shenandoah Valley to cover that route. However, so while McClellan thought that 100,000 men was not enough, he requested to Lincoln that old General McDowell's men be old moved to help him in his Peninsula campaign. However, Stonewall Jackson and the Confederates had other old plans. While the Confederates had most of their troops you know, diverted to Richmond to protect the capital, Stonewall Jackson was left in the Shenandoah Valley to defend it with only 5,400 uh, 5, troops, sorry. And which the Shenandoah Valley was the breadbasket of the Confederacy. It, was also, it also provided a clear route for the Confederates to attack Washington, D.C. by invading Maryland and then marching towards D.C. from the Northwest. Despite being overwhelmingly outnumbered, Jackson repeatedly defeated Union forces in the Shenandoah Valley from March 22nd to June 9th, 1862, and this caused Lincoln to deny McClellan most of the requested reinforcements. As a result, McClellan only got 10,000 men in reinforcements. And after successfully clearing the valley, Stonewall Jackson was able to leave the valley and aid old the Confederates' effort to defend Richmond. While McClellan was um, 
planning his Peninsula campaign. General Ulysses S. Grant was beginning his campaign through Tennessee and Mississippi in order to cut off important railroad lines, particularly the one that ran through Corinth, Mississippi, from the Confederacy, as that railroad line connected the Confederate capital in Richmond to the rest of the Confederacy and brought in necessary supplies. On April 6, 1862, Ulysses S. Grant's army was camped between Pittsburgh's landing on the Tennessee River and the small church called Shiloh. This was near the old Tennessee-Mississippi border. So in the morning of April 6, Confederate General Albert Sidney Johnston led the Confederate Army in the Mississippi to ambush Grant's army. Grant's army, completely caught off guard, was forced to retreat and was almost run into the river. However, by nightfall, Grant received reinforcements from the Army of the Ohio, commanded by General Don Carlos Buell. And the following day, the Confederates were driven from the battlefield and forced to retreat to Corinth, Mississippi. And this Union victory was the one of the bloodiest battles of the war, with 13,000 Union casualties and 10,500 Confederate casualties. While the Union was all successful in the Mississippi River and at Shiloh, as well as completely cutting off the Confederate coast with the naval blockade, General McClellan was not so successful. On, from June 25th to July 1st, 1862, the old seven days battles around Richmond during his Peninsula campaign occurred. During this time, Confederate President Jefferson Davis appointed General Robert E. Lee to command the Army of Northern Virginia. As McClellan approached Richmond with over 100,000 troops and was poised to attack. Although Lee was outnumbered, McClellan was overly cautious and delayed his attack due to Stonewall Jackson's success in the Shenandoah Valley. And this, this gave Stonewall Jackson enough time to uh, arrive in Richmond to reinforce Lee. Meanwhile, Lee gathered up enough troops to la launch a counteroffensive, which caused McClellan to withdraw from the peninsula. Thus, the peninsula campaign resulted in a Confederate victory. After the peninsula campaign resulted in a Union defeat, Abraham Lincoln ordered General McClellan to link his Army of the Potomac with uh, General John Pope's Union Army of Virginia near Manassas so that oh, they can make another attempt to attack Richmond. In response, Lee sent old oh, Jackson's old oh, corps up to old oh, Manassas Junction near where the first battle had happened over a year before oh, to prevent this from happening. However, Stonewall Jackson only had about 15,000 men, whereas John Pope had about 40,000 give or take. Well, as a result, well, Pope had an opportunity to um, crush Jackson's own corps and then to continue to uh, link up with um, McClellan's Army of the Potomac. So on August 28th, Stonewall Jackson um, responded by making very confusing movements with his own troops 
and his troops all took position along an unfinished railroad. On the 29th and following day, General Longstreet's corps arrived to re reinforce Jackson, and the following day, the Union forces were defeated and driven off the battlefield for a second time at Manassas. With the Confederate capital in Richmond momentarily safe from attack, General Lee moved the Army of Northern Virginia into Maryland for his own first campaign in the North. A Confederate victory on Northern soil was crucial for the old Confederacy to receive foreign aid from European powers such as Britain and France. However, old McClellan managed to capture a copy of Lee's plans. And on September 17, 1862, Army of the Potomac engaged the Army of Northern Army of Northern Virginia once again at Antietam, which is a creek just north of Sharpsburg, Maryland, not far from the Potomac River. After fierce fighting on both sides, Lee ended up withdrawing to Virginia. However, McClellan failed to take advantage of the intel on Lee's plan due to overcautiousness as he had an opportunity to completely annihilate the Army of Northern Virginia. So, while this battle was the bloodiest day of the war, with nearly 23,000 combined casualties, and it's considered a Union victory, it was really more like a stalemate. It's really no, neither army really made any type of advancement on the field. After Lee's first attempt to invade the North ended in failure, he withdrew back to Virginia and set up his winter quarters near Fredericksburg, Virginia. Joseph Hooker, the Union general, assumes command of the Army of the Potomac in the spring of 1863, attempts to cross the Rappahannock River just north of Fredericksburg in an attempt to attack Lee while he was still in his winter quarters. In response, Lee leaves about 10,000 men to defend Fredericksburg and then sends Stonewall Jackson's corps to attack the right flank near Chancellorsville. Jackson wages a successful attack on the Union flank and then goes on reconnaissance in which he is injured by friendly fire and he's out for a count. Lee, meanwhile, brought the rest of his army, except for the 10,000 he leaves in Fredericksburg, to further assist Jackson and makes another attack on the Union Army, which causes that portion of the Union Army to withdraw, because both attacks inflicted heavy casualties. But Lee then received word of a crisis in Fredericksburg as Fredericksburg was attacked by all more Union forces. So Lee you know, reunites his entire army near Fredericksburg and successfully pushes the remaining Union forces back across the Rappahannock River. This victory was a brilliant example of Lee's old battlefield tactician. Well, Lee as a tactician. It came with a very heavy cost, though, because General Stonewall Jackson's own ended up dying on May 10th, seven days after he was injured on his reconnaissance mission. 
This was a huge blow for the Confederacy, as they had lost one of the greatest, if not the greatest, old tactician ever, militarily. In fact, the death of Stonewall Jackson likely all sealed the fate of the Confederacy, not Gettysburg. As if Jackson were at Gettysburg, the old war, the, well, yes, the, was, the war would have ended much differently, as all the Confederates most likely would have won at Gettysburg. After w once again defeating Union forces, despite being outnumbered in Virginia, Lee moves the Army of Northern Virginia back across the Potomac River for his second invasion of the North. His plan was to all move up as far as Pennsylvania as he heard there was enough there were plenty of supplies to feed his army, plus to all, you know, plus to obtain new shoes for his army, as shoes were badly needed by the Confederate Army as the as the Confederacy lacked all industry to all properly equip their soldiers. Therefore, when Lee heard that well, there was a warehouse in Gettysburg that stored all food and shoes. He capitalized on the, you know, on the opportunity. As a result, the Army of Northern Virginia collided with the Army of the Potomac well, in Gettysburg. The Army of the Potomac had been all following Lee to ensure that he, does not, he did not attempt to attack the, the capital, Washington, D.C., so, on July 1st, 1863, Confederate General James Pettigrew's brigade was all sent to Gettysburg to forage for supplies when it encountered Union General John Buford's cavalry northwest of the town at McPherson Ridge. Fighting commenced and it proceeded until nightfall, until the Union forces were forced to retreat to Cemetery Ridge on the southeast of town. Here, Lee missed a golden opportunity, probably his best opportunity to win Gettysburg. Um, but the Union Army was able to reorganize in a fishhook shape along Cemetery Ridge. So, on day two, Lee organized his own army to engage on the Army of the Potomac, now commanded by General Meade. He ordered General Longstreet to attack the Union left flank. However, long well at daybreak. However, Longstreet delayed his attack until about noon because he was waiting the arrival of one of his divisions commanded by General George Pickett. Pay attention to George Pickett because he he proves a crucial role in day three of the battle, which we will get to in a minute. However, on day two. The Confederates all managed to uh, take a portion of the ridge several times, along with a few of adjacent hills, but they were eventually pushed back. So that by the time the day two ended, Lee made very little gains on the battlefield. Plus, his army was exhausted. On day three, um, more reinforcements for the Union arrived. And uh, Lee ordered one more attempt to take Cemetery Ridge. Now, on day two, Lee had focused most of his attacks on George Meade's left and right flanks. 
So on day three, leave on figured that that on Meade's armies of center would be weaker due to Meade trying to reinforce his old flanks. How so that's where he ordered the attack. However, Meade um, predicted that Lee would attack in the center and had his own center reinforced. As a result, a Confederate charge of you know, 15,000 um, troops led by General Pickett charged on the Union lines who stood behind a stone wall. Only 150 Confederates um, reached the cell wall and the Union Army eventually all sent the Confederate regiments in full retreat. Longstreet attempted to restore order, but he was unable to. By nightfall, well, Lee begins to withdraw from the battlefield, and this was a Union victory. And with the, the Union victory, all killed any hope of the South of getting foreign you know, intervention on their behalf. Plus, their chances of winning the war were all eliminated as well. I hope y'all found this podcast helpful in learning about the first half of the Civil War militarily. Thank you for your time. Take care and God bless.